0: hello and welcome to the stars on paper podcast where everyone's a star and i will make damn sure of it hello 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 oh my god amazing to be back i'm mar if you guys don't know i don't know how the hell you found my podcast if you don't know i used to have a podcast like two years ago actually I'd have my friends come on. We would talk about life advice and sex and all of that stuff. Not to say I won't ever dive into that. I think we definitely will. (laughs) But for this episode in particular, I kind of want to just answer all of your questions because I've amassed a shit ton of questions, you guys. And I'm so ready to dive into them. Honestly, this is going to be so much fun. And hopefully in the near future, I can get some of y'all on here to talk about your life. That's honestly the goal for this podcast is for me to find inspiration and muses. I am honestly a very introverted person now. A lot of people can argue to that. I will say I am on the more introverted side now. So I don't really like going out as much. And... Any writer needs life experience and I would love to just kind of hear all of your stories and have a bunch of you on so that'll definitely be in the near future and I am so pumped and ready to hear about all of your lives and maybe write about them if you guys give me permission. I've gotten so many questions and for future reference for anyone who wants to ask me questions ask me on TikTok, DM me, DM me on Instagram. I want to answer like three questions per podcast because we're not going to get through all of the questions, but I kind of separated the main ones that I think I'm going to do today and then split up the rest because I genuinely can't get through all of these. But I am so freaking excited, you guys. Let's just get into it. Okay, so if you're not a writer, if you don't really care about the publication process or any of that, just skip forward. I'm sure this will bore you to tears, (laughs) but... I got a lot of questions on publication the process of it how i found the courage to publish and all of that to make a long story short honestly because i completely just refilmed this segment three times because it was so damn long but the publication process for everyone is different i chose to self-publish because i can't be bothered with traditional publishing when you get rejected multiple, multiple times, it's like you kind of just back away and just wait for that shit to come to you. You know, like I could not give less of a fuck about querying anymore. I don't care. I just want to write my books, have y'all read it and message me your annotations. (laughs) Like that's literally all I care about. But I know a lot of people really want to be under that as like a safety net, you get an advance and all of that. But I will tell you right now, if you write just so you can land a contract with one of the big three or whatever the hell your intention is, you're writing for the wrong reason. You should write because you're passionate about writing. I wrote, I don't even know how many books now that are just in folders on my computer or literally handwritten. I've been writing since I was a kid and it's because I love to write, point blank. It's my passion and it's my job and I'm so Grateful that it became my job, but I would continue to write even if I worked a nine-to-five in a cubicle in a boring gray office I'll tell you that right now Finding the courage to publish your work is probably the hardest thing because you will get hate comments You will get terrible reviews. It is tough to see that in the beginning I all of my friends can say this right now my family. I didn't let anybody read my work forever The first book I published was the first time anyone read anything of mine. The publication process is grueling. But self-publishing makes it so easy for everyone and anyone to get their work out there. Somebody, I promise you, will read your work and love it. If you have that burning passion inside of you, don't let it die. So I'm not going to bore y'all with the whole logistics about publishing there are so many tiktoks and all of that i used the platform amazon kdp kindle direct publishing it's pretty self-explanatory you guys just need to google the steps how to do it but you just plug in your manuscript format your manuscript everything is online you just can't be lazy you have to put in the work you have to market you have to stay consistent this isn't like a oh, I'm just going to finish my book and all is well and all these riches and success and opportunities are going to come my way. No, you're delusional if you think that. It doesn't just happen overnight. There are some people that get lucky with, you know, getting publishers on their first release or whatever. I am not one of those people. But I have made it great and I have made so many friends across the world. I have reached so many audiences and new lengths that I never thought I could experience as a 24-year-old. It's insane how TikTok and social media, if you really do put in the work and commit, it's insane how far your passions can take you. And I found the courage to publish because I was sick of keeping my inner voice in my head. I wanted these worlds to exist. I wanted people to live in these worlds with me. And so I did just that. And that is how I published. I didn't care about the logistics. I cared about my words being on paper for everyone to read. So a lot of the questions I got had to do with how I grew my TikTok. And I'm going to be honest, y'all. There was no rhyme or reason. I didn't do anything extraordinary. I simply was just consistent. And I was lucky. I know there are so many programs that people are trying to sell you guys to grow fifty thousand overnight or whatever it's a scam unless you guys have tried it and it worked for you i don't know how that's possible but to me it was just i was there at the right time i i don't know what i did that was so different honestly even to this day i have no idea what i did that was so different but in the beginning i can say i looked up the trending hashtags like, book talk, whatever, and I looked up the trending sounds, and I kind of copied that style of the most popular videos, and it worked for some, but when I was writing Hunter Lane, which was literally the one that took me from, like, you know, 5,000 to 20,000 in the matter of a few weeks, I honestly just posted, like, really raunchy snippets of my book and used, like, those sexy sounds and whatever, and I grew. I just posted really, you know, provocative shit in my book. And I, I, you know, people liked it. And I'm not saying you have to post like smut or anything like that. That's not what I mean. I mean, post like snippets of your book that you think are really heavy hitting or important. And, you know, use a trending hashtag, use a trending sound, and just, you know, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. Like, I really don't know what else to say. I'm not going to scam you guys. I'm not going to tell you guys. Do this, do that, because to me it was consistency and luck. But like anything in life, consistency. You're, you know, you're gonna get results eventually. You just have to keep posting. I think I posted like three, four times a day last year. I don't post as much anymore, and uh, you guys know that. I pretty much go a wall all the time. <laughs> but yeah, like just stay consistent. You know, hope you get lucky. I really am rooting for all of y'all that are trying to grow. It's hard now. You know, there's so many creators that are trying to make it big, especially on BookTok. But I I really do not have a solution or, you know, any advice for that. I Really, it was just luck and consistency. Okay, so now we're getting into the juicy part of the Q&A, which has everything to do with my books and my muses, a.k.a. Hunter and Jace. <laughs> and let's give it a whirl, y'all. I'm pumped. I'm nervous. So the first question it has to do with my inspiration and how I got inspired to write Hunter Lane. And whoever doesn't know this, Hunter's a real person. And I am notorious for writing about real people (laughs) and people I've been involved with. So we're going to take it back to the origin story. Um, Last year, I released Hunter Lane. That seems like such a long time ago, but it's not. I released Hunter Lane in May, I think, of last year, the end of May. I wrote Hunter Lane in February or March. I think I finished it in March. I wrote it in one month. But... I, the whole thing started because I watched a Colleen Hoover interview. Okay, follow me, track me here. So I was in a writer's block after The Gates of Gabriel. I was in like the worst writer's block. I couldn't write for like six, seven months, but I was itching to write, y'all. Like, if you're a writer, you know, you just need to do something. You need to take that creative juice and you need to pour it out everywhere. So one day in the beginning of January, I just happened to stumble upon this Colleen Hoover interview. And whoever doesn't know Colleen Hoover, I don't know how. You're literally living in the depths of hell at this point if you don't know who that is. But she's a romance writer. And she was talking about, you know, writing and writing from the heart and not writing what's mainstream. And I was, for some reason, I was completely transfixed by this interview. I couldn't look away. And that night, I don't know what came over me, but I plopped my ass down on my couch and I wrote 80 pages y'all, 80 pages of Hunter Lane. Who is Hunter Lane? Let's get into this. So, a month prior to this, I was going through something really traumatic, pretty freaking terrible, and I needed an escape. I didn't know what kind of escape, but my friend said, download Hinge. Get your mind off shit. And I was like, on the fence about it, because I never had Hinge before. I had Tinder before, but I'm not a dating apps kind of person. So this was all new to me. And I am not, I'm not someone who likes to meet people on dating apps. I'll tell you that right now. I am a hopeless romantic at heart. I think the man I will end up with, I will meet at an airport or a cafe or a bookstore. It will be organic and not through a dating app, but beggars can't be choosers. So I, I remember that night, it was like mid-December, I just made an account real quick, I said I'm going to delete it in the morning, and in the morning I had a match, and it was this guy named Hunter. And I was like, oh, like he's kind of cute. <laughs> we just started talking, like immediately. We just started talking and Snapchatting every day and texting every day, and then we FaceTimed. And I realized he didn't even live in the same damn country as me. So for anyone who doesn't know, I've never met Hunter in my life. And don't diss me, okay? We've all romanticized people. I do it all the time. If I don't romanticize you, you're not getting a book out of me. (laughs) Like, you have to be interesting enough for me to romanticize you. And I really did. I love unattainable people who I can create these, like, fictional narratives about a relationship that will never happen to me, but will happen to a character that I create based off this person. So that's kind of exactly what I did. And I didn't expect to like Hunter, mainly because we lived so far away. But after FaceTime calls and texting all the time and hours and hours of talking, it's like you kind of really get to know someone. And we really opened up to each other. And we talked for like, I think, two months i i like the timing is fuzzy but we did talk for like two months ish nonstop. he opened up to me about a lot of things whenever i listened to that interview with colleen hoover and she was talking about writing for the heart i was like nothing inspires me but him i think it was that moment of me writing those pages and taking aspects of his life that actually existed while simultaneously knowing him this, like, man who I've never met, but was so different from anyone I've ever met in my life. He was, like, older and southern charm. And I live in Toronto, y'all. All we have is the wagwan and the, <laughs> the frickin' weird-ass lingo and city boys, okay? It's not... He, he had a charm about him that I'd never seen in my life. And it was so different. And it's so different. I honestly, like, if you're safe about it, I encourage you to, like, talk to different people. Like, it's crazy when you see different environments and people who come from different environments. Like, the contrast between us was weird. It was weird, but it worked. And so I started writing about him. And I asked for his permission, of course to kind of pull these aspects of his life and put them in my book and he said yes 100% thank you for asking me I don't know how I did it (laughs) y'all I don't know how I did it but I wrote 457 pages of Marley and Hunter Lane and that's what inspired me Hunter Lane the real life Hunter Lane inspired me because I really liked him and feelings they take you hella far if you kind of cultivate it and put it into art the elements of hunter lane you know i truly don't know where it came from mainly because i've never written anything quite like it before that you know intertwined all of these traumas and hardships while creating a happy romance at the same time the trope is grumpy sunshine hunter is a dick okay he's a dick in the beginning I got a lot of backlash for writing Hunter the way that I did. To this day, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I have no idea why. Just because I try and write my books as realistically as possible. A lot of people were mad that, you know, Hunter had a Friends with Benefits in the book. I'm gonna be honest, like, the real life Hunter Lane probably did have a Friends with Benefits, and I also have Friends with Benefits. <laughs> It does not make me any less of a human being. And for people to say and, you know, criticize it, that's fine if you have your own opinions. But it was strange to see how people took these humanizing aspects and almost dehumanized them. So that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with what I was talking about earlier with, like, you have to really find your strength within to kind of not retaliate. Because there are people that are going to hate your writing no matter what. And I knew that going into writing Hunter Lane. That people will hate the realism of it all. Because to preface it all. Hunter went through a boatload of trauma. And I mean in real life he also did. He went through a lot of shit that I will never understand. And he's also dealing with the repercussions of those things. Yeah like... I wanted to depict healing and damage and issues and trauma in such a deep way while also giving these characters and you guys a happy ending. That's all I want. When I write my books, I just want people to relate. I want people to show people that, you know, you're not alone in this shit. It's a tough world out there. Life happens and it sucks when it happens. And it's like, I, when I was writing Hunter Lane, I just really wanted to flesh it out. I wanted to take all these real aspects and put them into a fictional story while also making it real. If you guys have read it, you know, it was, I will, (laughs) to this day, it will always have a special place in my heart. Hunter will always have a special place in my heart. The real life Hunter, everything about it was just, it was crafted beautifully in my opinion. Everyone is entitled to theirs, but... Yes, I. that is the inspiration of Hunter Lane. Okay, so after that explanation, I kind of want to give a buffer question that I got, which was favorite book of all time and what I'm currently reading, which I thought was really cute. Thank you for asking me that. My favorite book of all time right now is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. If you haven't read it, it's super heavy. So if you don't like anything that involves grooming, sexual assault, you know, all of that stuff, please don't read it. Um, but it was life-changing that book was phenomenal I think everyone should read it I think women should read this especially like teenage girls because you know a lot of shit happens with grooming and a lot of it goes swept under the rug because people just aren't educated on it but yes to keep that short that is my favorite book of all freaking time along with The Ballad of Never After by Stephanie Garber completely different odds of the spectrum but amazing and i'm currently reading um house of sky and breath by sarah j mass i just i love that question thank you for asking me i love talking about books we'll talk about books in a different segment but yes that is what i'm currently reading i promise y'all there are juicy questions but as i'm looking at my disorganized freaking list i kind of just want to tackle some more work related questions as well And one of the questions I got was, what's the pressure like of having a platform and being an author? Plus, what's your work schedule like? So I'm going to say right now, I don't have a work schedule. I know a lot of authors do like nine to fives, eight to fours, and they actually make their home like their office. I just write when I'm inspired. Because if I force myself to write, I will write garbage, okay? If I'm not inspired to write for a week I'm not gonna write for a week I'm just gonna read but some days I will write like 20 30 pages sometimes upwards of 50 pages if I'm feeling inspired expired (laughs) but yeah no I don't have a work schedule don't feel pressured to have a work schedule you know just stay consistent and don't fall off too much otherwise you will put yourself in a writer's block so as for the pressure of having a platform and being an author, I mean, there definitely is pressure having a platform because you, you feel like you need to post all the time. You feel like you need to explain why you're gone. I don't care anymore. Like, you know, I will post sometimes if I'm gone for like more than two, three weeks. But, you know, it's my life. We all have things that happen to us. And at the end of the day, like, I like keeping things personal in my own life with my own friends let alone with the public like it's it's just hard for me to share a lot of shit so I try and keep things you know under wraps but there is a lot of pressure to kind of explain yourself a lot of the time and half the time you explain yourself people aren't gonna listen to you anyways so you know I hate being on my phone I hate social media half the time my friends like I can say this all the time I'm quick at answering if I'm on my phone but if I'm not on my phone like you know the odds of me answering you are like four or five hours later and I personally like keeping my phone away from me when I'm reading and writing I don't like the fact that I have to use social media for my job but that is the way that it is yeah like I don't regret it. It's just I prefer to cut down my screen time a lot. Every time I pick up my phone, I'm probably doing something for work. So definitely a lot of pressure to just be on social media and always look up like the algorithms and what's trending and stuff like that. It's just you can't get a break. (laughs) Kind of the pressures of being an author, I'd say, is just dealing with the negativity, dealing with the changes in, you know, the author community and having to keep things sensitive to a degree i think that's my worst that's my that's my biggest struggle is like i want to talk about really important topics that a lot of people don't like shy away from talking about because it's like you don't want to cross a line but like i don't care and some people think writing things too realistically is like terrible And I've gotten a lot of hate for the way that I've written things too realistically. But that's the way that it is. I'm not going to apologize for the way that I write and what I choose to write about. I can write about whatever the hell I want to write about. So can you. So if you have your opinions, I have mine. And I think just controlling, you know, and just being steady and calm. That's hard. It's hard to do that, especially when people are talking out at you and DMing you things and spreading things about you. You can't even defend yourself because there's always trolls that are going to say this and that and then there's going to be a bandwagon of hate. You don't want that. So you almost have to like stay out of the public while simultaneously being active in it. It's, it's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird dichotomy but you get it. Okay, so I'm going to isolate all of the Hunter questions just to kind of get that stuff over with. I have a lot of people asking me if I still talk to Hunter, what happened, and whatever. So we're going to get into that. I don't actively talk to Hunter. We're not on bad terms. We spoke actually last week for the first time in a year and a half. And that didn't really amount to anything. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I talked a little bit about that. But... We we didn't end badly. There was some miscommunication that happened last year. But the reason why we stopped talking entirely was just because the, the distance. Like, we didn't want to fall into something that we couldn't finish. And it was very, like, respectful and mature. We just stopped talking. But then there was some weird miscommunication thing that happened last year. Nothing bad. we were fine. But, again, it's like... We're both smart adults. We both realize that we don't live in the same place, and making something work is probably never going to happen. So that's just how it was. And you know, I still have a lot of love for him. I still care about him, and whatever. But it's just, it's not going to work. So no, I don't talk to Hunter guys. There, I got a question asking if there's going to be a sequel to Hunter Lane. Blah blah blah. No. There really isn't. I'm not planning on writing one. I do a lot of crossovers though, and you may see little snippets of Hunter and Marley, but I mean, to get a new book of Hunter Lane, like that's not gonna happen. I'm sorry. (laughs) This question is a perfect lead in to A Hue of Blue. Hunter or Jace? That was the final question about Hunter that I'm going to answer and feel comfortable answering. Hunter or Jace? I am not picking <laughs> because I know these people, okay? And fictionally, Hunter, real real life, in reality, I'm not picking. But fictionally, 110% Hunter. Jace was toxic. <laughs> and I will now commence the questioning of A Hue of Blue, which was the majority of the questions. If y'all don't know, A Hue of Blue was the last book I published just recently in January And boy was that a roller coaster to publish, let me tell you that right now. Okay, so to provide a little context of A Hue of Blue, I don't think you guys know how we met. But it was exactly how Blue and Jace met in the book. Jace is very much a real person. I was extremely close with him. And we went to the same university last year. Our senior year was... An odd dynamic between us. It was very strange. We never dated. We never did anything physical. It was nothing like that. It was just a very close, odd dynamic of a friendship. And um, I'm not going to kind of give all of the itty-bitty details about it, but we did meet um, the first week of university. I'd known him before, and he knew me before, but... It was very much one of those things where I saw him and I was like, I need to write about this man. There's no if ands, or buts about it. It was like a switch in my brain. Just like all of my muses, I get these switches and they turn on and off. And with him, it was always on. I just needed to know him. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I forced myself into his life and we became very, very close. There were so many things that happened in that, you know, six, seven month period of knowing him. That completely changed the way I looked at myself. I was so insecure for so long. And it wasn't really him, but sort of, that made me feel that way. I had hit rock bottom. All of these insecurities that I thought I, I, I you know, I suppressed... All of these things that I didn't realize I needed to work through started coming out of me. I was crying all of the time. A Hue of Blue was truly... It was never supposed to be published. It was a stream of consciousness. It was a diary for me to just let everything out. Otherwise, I would have exploded. I was literally crumbling when I was writing A Hue of Blue. And I think to anyone who has read it, they felt that emotion I've never seen so many DMs of people saying they've never related more to a character like Blue. And I included a lot of my issues, my traumas in that book. More to come in Meeting Dr. Pregel, my next release. Jace and Blue's relationship in the book was sort of this play-by-play. If you've read it, it goes year four, week one week two etc and every single week i documented things that happened between us and things that i felt and all of it the whole nine it was practically non-fiction but fiction because jace and blue obviously have a relationship the real jace and i don't and we never did we just had a friendship but all the same those feelings still existed god that was tough Like I said, it wasn't supposed to come out. I didn't want anyone to see that side of me, especially him. He read the book. Hunter never read Hunter Lane, but Jace read the book in two weeks. I gave him a copy and he read it. It was so hard for me to let go of this idea of him. I romanticized the hell out of him. I didn't even get to know him for who he actually was. And then after I finished writing A Hue of Blue, that's when we started to get to know each other and really connect. And that's why it sucks now, because we don't speak. Just like Hunter and I don't speak, me and the real Jace, we don't speak anymore. And it's tough whenever you write these books about people, you connect with these people, kind of soul to soul almost, and you're out of each other's lives. One of the biggest questions I got was what happens to Jace at the end of A Hue of Blue? So, this is a spoiler. (laughs) If you don't want to hear it, skip forward by like two minutes. But at the end of A Hue of Blue, it's no secret, Blue and Jace don't end up together. That is not a secret. I've posted that everywhere, but they don't end up together. That's how I wanted it. I wanted Blue to choose herself, I wanted her to heal. In the alternate ending, which I wrote, for all of the people who, for some reason, wanted to see them together, um, Jace ends up kind of managing the art gallery. And there's a line that's basically saying how shitty people get what they want in life. And he basically didn't need to lift a finger, and here he was still getting what he wanted. The book itself was so realistic and... The shitty part of life is sometimes terrible people, not saying Jace is a bad person, but terrible people sometimes do get what they want. Look at the powers of the world. You know, a lot of them are corrupt, but they're the ones rolling in dough. We're not going to talk about politics, but that's just the case. And Blue had to go through all of these things and endure all of these things, right? Jace really didn't. He was just very manipulative. Not to say Jace shouldn't heal didn't deserve to heal but the book is called a hue of blue not a hue of jace y'all and that's why i find it funny every single time i get people being like are we getting a Jace book from his perspective like no because blue was written based off me and i don't know what the real life jace was feeling or thinking if he felt anything at all i wanted her to heal i wanted beatrice to heal and that's that's the moral of the story at the end jace and blue should be apart. <laughs> i got a question that was actually really interesting asking what are some tips for situationships like blue was in so to give an overview jace and blue were in this kind of on and off again tumultuous relationship of manipulation and like she was volatile but she also struggles with bpd And he was not helping the cause whatsoever. But at the same time, I think there are so many people who deal and get into these relationships. And that's kind of why I wanted to shed light on these toxic relationships that are just not good for you. Because we've all been in them. And we all have trauma. And this trauma continues to haunt us. You know, till the end of our time until we get the help that we need and until we we realize we deserve better than this, which is what Blue, thank God, realized at the end. So my advice, some tips, I guess, if you sense there's a red flag, if you know you are not your best self with this person, leave leave before it's too late and you don't even recognize who you are anymore. I have been in so many situations like this where your heart is so big and it takes the cake for everything. You don't think logically, you just want to give it all to the person that you love. That's exactly what happened to Blue. And in the end, she just shattered. This man shattered her to pieces and it took her so long To just make one itty bitty step to hang up the phone remember who the fuck you are remember what you deserve remember that you are so much more than what so many people have told you in the past i really do think that if somebody isn't making you a better person and you are not motivated and you are not driven and your entire world revolves around them you are not in something healthy and you need to leave immediately If someone doesn't value who you are to your core, they don't even deserve to know you. You need to love yourself before you let anybody try to love you because I promise you, sweetheart, they won't. They won't if you don't love yourself. I got a lot of questions asking which scene was the hardest to write, which book was the hardest to write, and like, what's the hardest thing about writing the types of books that I write. I think it's all hard, but it's also really therapeutic. Like it's like letting things go. And I I actually started therapy um a few weeks ago and I was talking to my therapist about how I kind of use writing as a tool to like deal with my past and my traumas and all the things that hurt me. And she said that's such an amazing way to, you know, take your pain and make it into art, but it's also you're structuring these things and you're telling a story. You're not actually saying things out loud as if they actually happened which they did and I think that's the hardest thing is just putting myself back in the states of mind that I was in at the times that my characters were going through these things that's the hardest part is like writing these topics that like I apply them to the characters but they happen to me and that's why I write them so well And that's why I write them so graphically is because I've lived them. And I think once I've reread them and once I let my friends read them and they see that these really are aspects and parts of my life that I've been through, it's really hard for people to read. But I also do it and I write it so that other people can feel less alone. Because Lord knows I've felt so alone writing so many things in these books. That's the thing. It's like, the I think the hardest book to write will forever be A Hue of Blue, and soon to be Meeting Dr. Pragel, but A Hue of Blue was terrible. I I hated writing it, but I needed to write it. It was one of those things. There were a few scenes in a hue of blue, one of them being the viral good enough to fuck, I stated, not good enough to love, I accepted. The reason why that one was one of the hardest things for me to write was because it, it really did happen to me exactly like that. I felt so awful and dirty and that people only liked me for my body. And for years and years and years to this day, I'm still grappling with that fact, which is not a fact at all, but it's a fact in my head and it's really damn hard to separate the two. When you feel differently, your heart is telling you, No, no, you're more than that. But your head is so conditioned by all of these other people telling you, left, right, and center, that you're only good for one thing. And that's really, really tough to deal with because everybody is so much more than the parts that they make up. We are literally just a conglomeration of cells. You know, we have souls, we are different human beings, sentient beings that just have all of these feelings and nobody's perfect. And I think that's what makes everyone so special. Um, but the hardest scenes for me to write are the ones that I actually experienced because it really does put me back into that headspace. And sometimes that's why I have to stop writing for a little bit. That really did happen with meeting Dr. pregiel which I'll get to. I, ha- I hadn't written for a while because I just wrote a scene in meeting Dr. Pregale that happened to me. And it was horrible. I, you know, I had to stop writing. Because I was, I was spiraling again. Um, yeah, those those are definitely the hardest scenes to write. The ones that actually happened. Okay, I feel like the last 20 minutes was so heavy and heartbreaking. So let's take it to something happy. Upcoming releases. Meeting Dr. Pregale. Anticipated read of the freaking generation, practically. Um... Meeting Dr. Pregale, my vet romance, very happy, very different to the last two books I wrote. Thank God. It's like a breath of fresh air, but also it's also heavy. Um, I rewrote Meeting Dr. Pregale three times now, and I'm finally happy with how it is. But it, how I got inspired to write it was, again, this man exists. He's all He is my dog's vet. He exists. A lot of the scenes that happened in that book happened um this one really is the counterpart the light to the dark which was a hue of blue because where a hue of blue had so many sharp points astra and noah in meeting dr prigil it's like a soft cloud there's such heavy topics but noah is so amazing and kind and I've never written a character so kind. I don't. I wouldn't even say Golden Retriever. He's just a mature, well-rounded man. And the reason why I wrote him that way was because the vet himself, Noah Pregill, in real life, is a kind, one of the kindest men I've ever met in my entire life. I could not not write about him, you know, and... I am so beyond excited to share this with you and have you read this because to me it's like I know when you read fantasy and fiction it's like men like this don't exist people like this don't exist but I my hope for all of you is to to when you're reading is to accept and realize the fact that this man is based off of someone who exists who is amazing and kind and there are so many people like this out there they're just hidden and somehow I seem to find them which is good for you guys <laughs> that is the upcoming release i should have more news soon hopefully next month or the or you know the month after that or this month i really don't want to rush this book um it's very personal to me so when it's ready y'all i will make an announcement you guys know all right, y'all, so we are approaching the end. This is the second to last question that I'm going to be answering for this episode. And it centers around my main characters. Who is my favorite main character that I've written? Who do I relate the most to? And I'm going to say I love them all, even Jace. Um, I do love them all. They all hold a very special place in my heart. But I love Astra and Noah. Their story in Meeting Dr. Pregale is my favorite. It is so mature. It is so healthy. Astra's a writer. She is just... She has my whole heart. I think it's so romantic. And I love writing their connection. I think it's so raw and real. So when you read it, I think you will also understand it's a breath of fresh air to write a character who is so mature and just not grumpy and I'm so tired of that trope now I just feel like I read all of these you know these books with these characters are always so grumpy for no reason well reasons but you know what I mean it's just like damn just communicate and there's no miscommunication trope in my in my book it's just very healthy and there is baggage but who doesn't have baggage so definitely astra meredith dupont and noah praigale are my loves i love them so much but i have so many books to write paint the town dove the Rockstar romance as well scarlet and ryden i also am working on that i love them as well i love every single character i write just in different ways just like people you meet so the biggest question of all is the masquerade ball that i'm throwing for my readers this is how i'm going to end the episode kind of talking about that So if you guys don't remember from last year, after I released Hunter Lane, I swore to throw a Masquerade Ball for my readers. That is still happening. But I also mentioned that you guys are the, like, it's up to you, right? I want to do this. I want to do this so badly. I want every single reader's fantasy to come true to attend a Masquerade Ball. Um, I know the venue already that I want to throw it at. It is a lot of money, and writing is my full-time job. My success is your success. Do you know what I mean? Like, If I have the money to do it, I will do it. I would love to attend. I would love to throw. I would love to host this ball for you all. But I truthfully, like my success at the end of the day, it stems from who buys my book, how many units I sell, all of that. And... I don't, it's just not in the cards right now, but it will be in the cards and I don't want you guys to forget about that because that is going to happen. And I cannot wait to eventually meet every single one of you who has literally made my dream of becoming an author come true. And speaking with you every single day is just, it's beyond words. I can't even explain how grateful I am to know all of you and have you guys read my work and love me just as much as I love you guys. It's it's surreal. So we've reached the end. I have no idea how long this is. I, my throat is raw from talking so much. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Um, there are still a fair few that I haven't gotten to. But I don't want to make a two-hour podcast, I'm so going to be honest. Um, next week, I think I'm going to have one of my friends come on and talk. But I would love for you guys to keep sending in your questions so I can answer a few. I think I covered the biggest ones in this podcast, but why I called it Stars on Paper, it is very much about meeting Dr. Pregale. Again, that book is my baby. It is so personal to me. I love it with all of my heart. And the main thing, the main theme of meeting Dr. Pregale is astra and stars and i really love the idea that i'm putting every single one of you my stars on paper and i'm going to eventually write your stories and listen to them and give you guys a platform just as much as i have one i hope you guys stick along for the journey and continue to support me I appreciate every single one of you and I will see you in the next episode.